So the way I've learned to change my thoughts from the top down has been first with my body. And so the body, actually the mind body connection is never really separate, but Western culture thinks it is. And so the practice of somatics is bringing you back into your body. Hello, my love, and welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. My name is Melissa Martin. I am a business and embodiment coach and creator of the Boldly Courageous community. Just like you, I've walked through some dark seasons in life, and I know what it's like to start over again and write a new story. This podcast is here to activate you, to show you what's possible when you embody your power and walk with courage and fear in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Each week, you will hear authentic conversations with thought leaders and visionaries as we dive deep into topics such as spirituality, business, money, relationships, sexuality, and so much more so that you can fully embody your boldly courageous self. Are you ready? Let's drop in. Hey, real quick before we dive into the episode, I need to let you know about something really, really special to me. So if you're anything like me and you've had this calling on your heart to start a podcast, but you have no idea where to start, I want to introduce you to the incredible team that I have worked with literally from day one of launching Boldly Courageous over at Podcast Co. They have just released a self-paced course called Launch Your Fucking Podcast. This program will literally take you through step by step of launching your podcast from start to finish. You will learn everything about how to create and find the foundation and mission of your podcast, how to come up with the perfect name, get super clear on your audience and the structure of your show. Also, you will learn how to record, how to produce, how to edit, and also hosting, music, creating the perfect cover, and building a successful launch strategy. Basically, by the end of the program, you will have launched a podcast that feels authentic and expansive to you, labeling you as the expert that is ready to impact and grow your audience in whatever phase of life they may be at. So all you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, use code boldly courageous at checkout, and you will get a hundred dollars off the launch your fucking podcast course. So now let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Boldly Courageous Podcast. As always, it is such an honor that you are here with me today. And my guest for this episode is my girl, Carrie Ford. Carrie and I met through some mutual acquaintances, and we found out quickly that we both lived in Atlanta and that we were both extroverted introverts, which means we don't leave our house very often and social activities drain us, but we had so much in common and so many like-minded connections we knew we had to meet. And Carrie has quickly become one of my dearest friends and the work that she's doing in this world is so powerful. I knew I needed to have her on the podcast to share her magic with all of us. And in this episode, Carrie really talks a lot about this process of becoming unmade. So if you are a woman who identifies as an alpha leader, a high performer, someone who has their life together, you're super driven, and you are in a place where sometimes you just want to let it all burn to the ground, This episode is going to speak to your soul because that's exactly the process that Carrie has walked through in her own life and the process that she takes her own clients through, um, through something called somatic success, which is all about redefining your definition of what success looks like, not based on outward achievements and outward experiences, but more about what does it feel like in your body. We also go into the difference between anxiety and motivation. And this is such a powerful discernment that Carrie takes us through in this episode. It will land in such a really special way because I know for so many people, myself included, that anxiety and motivation are often the same. And through the process of somatic success, through the process of becoming unmade, Carrie so beautifully articulates what the difference is between motivation that comes from a pure channeled aligned place and what that looks like. And then 
what it looks like to be driven by anxiety. So this episode is full of so much knowledge, so much wisdom. And Carrie also shares the in-person experience that she's going to be hosting in Atlanta in the beginning of November. You absolutely have to be there if you're feeling called by this episode and, and Carrie's work. You can go to her website and learn more about her experience. So Carrie Ford is a high performance, holistic life coach. She is the CEO and founder of Elevate with Carrie, which is an elite transformational coaching movement and luxury brand dedicated to serving and elevating women's emotional intelligence and whole body high performance. Her unique online influence and programs have transformed the lives of thousands of women across the globe. She's an international motivational speaker, an author, an event host, and global authority. Carrie has spoken alongside 50 other top industry experts, neuroscientists, doctors, and authors in the personal development industry. Her high-end clientele includes some of the world's top female CEOs of multi-million dollar companies, self-made millionaires, and other influential public figures. She's also has an advanced training as a behavioral change specialist and is was awarded by IFAH as one of the top 100 global visionaries. She has been featured around the world on entrepreneur.com, the Huffington Post, self.com, NBC, USA Today, Livestrong, and other major publications. She is also the creator and host of the Literally First Class podcast, which has just been released and you can check out on her website, elevatewithcarry.com. Without further ado, Let's dive into my conversation with Carrie. Carrie, welcome to the podcast. It's such an honor to have you here and to share your light and your magic with the world. And something that I just love and really appreciate about you is your raw authenticity. Like I know that people can be really authentic, but your willingness to show the rawness and the realness, and I know we're going to talk about this idea of being unmade is so powerful because you carry this duality of like boss CEO, like really powerful, high level woman leader, female leader. But on the other side of it, there's also this like really sensual, feminine, like raw, wild, fiery side of you as well, which is so embodied. Like that's how I would um, describe embodied when I think of you. And, And there's like a duality there. And I think that um, you represent this place that a lot of women desire to get to, but they just don't know how. And I know we'll probably talk a little bit more about that, but thank you so much for being here. I'm excited for our conversation. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And thank you for seeing all of me because I think that for so many years, I, I felt like I had to be in this box and then anything outside of it wasn't me instead of really allowing all of the, you know, the dualities and the the multifaceted things that make me me in all moments in whatever moment I'm in uh, are all still me and so whether it's shadow side or the love and light or the embodied sensuality or like you know boss bitch vibes whatever it it's all still me and so thank you for seeing all of me mm. I love that so what is one boldly courageous thing you've done recently Hmm. I launched a podcast literally yesterday and it's called literally first class, (laughs) but I was like, I was surprised by how this brought up in me a different level of being seen. Mm -hmm. And I, I laugh a little bit at this because I've always had a mic in my hand and I told Jake and and some other close friends, I might've even shared it with you that this feels like their grown-up version of me putting on plays in my parents' basement. Like, who the fuck gave her a microphone? Like, who am I, you know, who am I like talking to? It's just, so it's somewhat entertaining to me and also brings up this whole other level of being seen, providing value and pouring into people mm. on like a completely different platform. Mm. It's like being a beginner again, even like to your point, like, yeah, I've had a mic in my hand, but never in this way. So what is right. the... What were some of the things that you had to work through to get to this, to this point? Like, did you have a beginner's mindset again? Did it bring up like new sense of fear and vulnerability? What was that like for you? Interestingly, it felt incredibly natural. I just kind of 
I hopped behind the mic and the screen and just started talking. And I'm like, I don't even, you know, you don't even know what you're saying. You're just in real time, very present, very grounded. Um, and so that was really fun, but I did notice leading up to the moment of recording a bit of procrastination, you know, I'm not sure I know what to say. And so then I'd find myself avoiding it or making everything else other than recording it more important. And so when I know that I'm doing that and pushing the thing back that I know is kind of hanging over my head, that there's some fear there. And so I just ask myself the question, what does it look like on the other side? If this is already successful And that answer is I'm on the stage speaking, I'm in front of the mic recording, like it's already a done deal. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it just calls me into deeper commitment to what I say I actually want to create. Mm. And even just hearing you say that something shifts in my body of like an assuredness of like, it's already, like you said, it's already done. And so there's a safety in that or a security almost like, I think when I know for me, when we're, when I'm embarking on something that feels so foreign. Mm. Like if I can't feel it in my body, that's when I start to get into anxiety or stress because my mind can't see it and therefore my body can't feel it. Yeah. We get into, we almost leave our body and go into a graspy energy, trying to source safety, stability outside somewhere else with our eyesight, with proof it's been done with a guarantee for success. And at every level, when I've never been here before, it's required me to embody it before it's been done. And therefore it's been done. Mm. I have to believe that as truth, right? So I've got to write that in my body, that experience. I have to live it. I have to feel it. I have to connect with the vision and I have to act like that is true reality. Yeah. I know this word embodiment is popular right now. It's like embodiment is the new alignment, right? Like we go through these like phases in the coaching world where buzzwords come up. And I'm curious, I would love to hear from your perspective, what does embodiment mean to you? And what are some of the ways that you practice embodiment in your different areas of your life? I love this question because just like you know, leading with love and trauma response and somatic, like all of these things have become extremely um, trendy to use. And some people are not using them appropriately, in my opinion. That's a whole other conversation for another day. Uh, My definition for embody is it, it literally does mean in body, but I bring you home. I get to be the guide led by the client to create safety within yourself. Like I'm not responsible for creating my client's safety. That's their job because there's going to be experiences as we come home to their body that feel unsafe if it hasn't felt safe before to be in their body. So I create courageous spaces to guide them back to their body. Um, And what that does is it allows them to operate way differently in the world. We slow down, we connect to our feminine essence, this what I call the inner belly fire, the knowing, the stirring, the intrinsic motivation um, that requires nothing else other than you being fully in your power. And so if we can connect to that, that's really just your fullest expression. And then that becomes your compass. So I know I just said a lot, but in short, it's being in your body and using that as your compass. Hmm. And so what's coming up for me, I'm thinking about back to our intro and I was talking about the duality and what I see in you and this, the CEO woman. And I know these are some conversations that you and I have had one-on-one and it's things that you and I have both experienced, but I know that there are women that are listening that are maybe feeling like that feels foreign. Like that sounds great for you, but if I were to do that or to slow down and look at the trauma responses, my life would fall apart. Right. So I'm thinking of the the woman who is a super high performer. She's an executive leader, probably a single mom or running a household has a lot of responsibility. And how, how do you like for that woman who's like, if I slow down, everything's going to fall apart. How do you even wrap your arms around the idea of embodiment in the feminine when so much of your life is governed by the masculine? Uh, my question is, are you tired yet? <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you, are you fucking done with that? Like, are you exhausted and absolutely like tired out of your mind because you cannot continue at that pace? Yeah. I mean, or you can, right. 
to just kind of play devil's advocate there, but you'll show up at 50% capacity in all of the things. And there's a quote, I don't know who it's by. I saw it years ago, um, but it landed with me and it was, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And my guess is that if you're a high performer, you already come from the story, perhaps that you're not enough and the attachment to the external achievements that it's going to be pretty exhausting to chase. And you are constantly living out and playing out the story and keeping it alive that you are not enough because you're not able to show up when you have that many things up in the air fully in any specific area. You're spread way too thin. So you get to keep that story alive, but what's it costing you? Mm. It's interesting because I see this showing up with different relationships that I have in my life with women and that that hyper um, activity and that drive yields results, right? It's mm. you're getting promotions and you're making money and like you're multitasking and getting things done. Obviously, I see the other side of it and I know you do too, but for the woman that's in that space, that's like, but I get shit done. Like, look at what I've done. I'm making money. I'm achieving. I'm getting promotions. I'm multitasking. Mm-hmm. And what's it all for, right? Like at the end of the day, I'm going to guess that you still feel unfulfilled to, the, to this woman um, or else you wouldn't be chasing things to begin with. Mm. Fulfillment has stillness. It has power. And it has peace. It doesn't need external things for motivation. It just simply is. Yeah. And that is, a, that is, I remember like trying to wrap my head around that and being like, that sounds like you're literally speaking Chinese to me. I don't, I, it's like <laughs> my, I, my brain just can't compute that. And so I know for you, you, you're kind of having your own evolution in this, not that you don't understand stillness, but you're kind of going through this next level of, of evolution. So I'd love for you to share this idea of becoming unmade and and what that means to you and this process that you've been walking through. Yeah. I mean, I've been featured on all sorts of news networks, TV, I've trained celebrities, I've helped companies make $20 million. I've helped clients create massive results. I, you know, I've done all of these external achievement things. And at the end of the day, it's just a fucking logo. A celebrity is just another human. Um, we're all just trying to make the world a better place. And so when I really sat with myself, I realized that I was confusing for many, many, many years, anxiety with motivation, the excitement that drove me to do things to chase was actually anxiety and not motivation at all for fear that I would actually come to terms with, I'm not enough. And I didn't feel like enough because I was chasing so many things. Now, I think it's great to be recognized for, you know, work that we do in the world. I I don't want to negate that. I think it's it feels good, obviously, to be recognized for work I do in the wellness space and with clients and my self-worth and who I am can't just come from what I do. Mm. And so I started to explore, you know, what even is success, right? We, I can look like I'm postured as successful, but the amount of people I talk to that have a beautiful Instagram grid and look like they've got thousands of followers aren't making the money that it looks like they're making. They aren't as happy as they seem like they are posturing. And those are really the things that keep us not only separate from each other as women, but separate from our truest self mm-hmm. permission to be fully expressed. And so I decided to do an experiment. I gave up alcohol for 30 days and I gave up makeup for 30 days and the alcohol was easier for me. I will say after having been a mom and, you know, well, so obviously I'm still a mom, but having been pregnant, you can't drink when you have, when you're pregnant. So that was pretty easy for me to give up. I've also gone through periods of life where I've given it up, you know, in the name of fitness competitions and, and other things, borderline masochistic things, but, uh, that was pretty easy. The makeup surprisingly was hardest. I was even going on a girl's trip to Vegas with a group of friends who were absolutely drop dead, gorgeous women, gorgeous. And we all love makeup. And so I'm the one that's like not wearing anything. And I felt naked, but in a really good way. And I I was like, what if I, could I, and what if I embraced how I look, 
even without makeup? Like, what if I loved my wrinkles? What if I loved my melasma, like truly felt beautiful because of those things rather than the Botox and the fillers and all the things that I've done in the past. And it was a really interesting experiment. I don't have makeup on. You guys don't see this video, but I don't have makeup on right now doing this. And we had a little bit of a scheduling snafu where Melissa texted me and goes, Hey, I'm running five minutes late. And I was like, Oh shit. Do we have a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Because it got rescheduled and it didn't populate onto my calendar. Now a previous version of me would have freaked out and been like, I'm not ready. I should reschedule this. And I was like, I am always ready. Like I'm here. I am. And you didn't tell me that we weren't doing video until we got on, but I was like, here I am makeup, no makeup, like success gets to look like whatever we want it to. But what I'm more interested in is what success feels like. And then as a byproduct, you make the money, you have all the things, but like success doesn't have to be postured pencil skirts all the time. Those are great. And it doesn't always have to look that way. This is such an interesting like dynamic, right? Because, um, success is postured through the media or through, um, like, like online presence, what we see as the, the, the golden rule, you know, this archetype Mm -hmm. of an, of a successful woman. So what does a successful, like, what does success feel like to you now? Well, success looks like permission to express in whatever moment I'm in. I had a mentor tell me once the one of the, I mean, this has been one of the most healing things is Mm. what I can say to myself is I wake up and I meet me. Mm. If I'm in a bad mood, I can still meet me in that bad mood. I can still honor the feelings that I have and allow the feelings to come up. If I'm feeling scattered, I can, you know, love and acknowledge those parts of myself that want to be seen and are craving some peace and groundedness. If I'm feeling wild and and sensual, like all of these parts are all of you. So what, what beauty exists within the healing idea of, I just wake up and I meet me in whatever moment that is. So just really deepening detachment from labels And I constantly, especially because I postured from a vanity lens, always would default into the question, well, how does that look? And how does that look? But the the better question is, how does that feel? That's really where I, again, arrive back in the body. That's so subtle. Just that difference of how does it look versus how does it feel? It's, it's like such a subtle thing. Mm-hmm. And I know for me personally, the, the most profound shifts have happened in my life, not from the big ahas, but from the, from paying attention to just one subtle little thing because they're like sneaky, right? It's like these mm-hmm. sneaky, subtle little threads that operate just below the surface that almost go undetected. They're like the silent killers, if you will, or like the silent, like energy suck. <laughs> we don't even have, because they're not big enough. We don't have the awareness that they're there. Well, a lot of them are so automatic too. I mean, it's become our default programming, especially as women to default into self-betrayal, to default into over-generosity, to default into lack of boundary, and then package it up as look at how generous and what a beautiful martyr I am. (laughs) And we're silently seething and resentful at all the ways in which we've abandoned ourselves and given away pieces along the way. So reclamation of self looks like meeting all of you in whatever moment that is, Mm. Um, but also speaking up for needs, having healthy boundaries, having a fucking voice and standing in your light, knowing it takes nothing from anybody else. Mm. Yes. To all of that. I really love what you said about uh, mistaking anxiety for motivation. Uh, Can you talk a little bit more about the, the differences between those two and maybe how you um, discern those now? Yeah. Um, So one of my really good friends, Jeff Goins, this will forever stick with me. He's a really well-known author. And he says, when you're writing your book, it becomes the book you can't not write. And that really landed for me as an artist and a creative, um, someone who's, you know, an extroverted introvert, um, because it's 
when it's the book you can't not write, it's within you. You just have to put your pen to paper. Like it just pours out of you. You don't need someone rah-rahing you. You don't need an accountability partner necessarily. You don't need, it's just intrinsically motivated because it kind of rises up within you and pours out of you. So that's what I've learned motivation is from the feminine feeling, from this feminine flow and from the, the deep womb of who I be and how I operate in the world as a divine feminine now. Before everything else was driving me. Did I get the things done on my list? Are they happy with me yet? Did I earn the, you know, accolade here? Is, is this approved by so-and-so I, you know, I was aware of an audience Mm -hmm. motivation, intrinsic motivation. I've never been aware of an audience. I've just done the thing because I can't not do it. Mm. So the anxiety for me at least had been external facing because then I know I'm posturing performing and trying to perfect to put on a mask. Mm. That discernment that you just shared, like that difference between like the internal piece where it doesn't matter who's watching. It's like, it's like breathing. Like I, I literally cannot not do this thing because it feels, um, so exciting and so expansive. And it almost feels like it's for me Mm -hmm. versus it's of of me, the external where it's like, um, po- like posturing, you've used that word a few times. And I really love that because it is, um, it's posturing is an external, it's almost rooted. I feel like a little bit in manipulation, right. Of like, I want to manipulate the story that everyone tells about me because in order mm-hmm. for me to validate myself. Hugely. And, and under that, I want to offer so much compassion for anyone that's having a light bulb moment now because there have been times that I've done that in the past and I had no idea and it could come off absolutely manipulative or fake or inauthentic. And that's not why people do it. It's because they don't feel safe to be seen. And they learned somewhere along the way that they were wrong for being who they are. Mm -hmm. And so there's a massive fear of being seen, even though we deeply desire it. And, And so we don't know how, how can I be seen without the mask? Right. We are already accepted, but we think that we need to be accepted to belong. Mm. That's where we give our power away to other people. Right. And, and I know I'm getting a little esoteric perhaps for some listeners, but there is a massive fear there where it doesn't feel safe to be seen. And that's why we do it. So yes, it can totally come across as manipulation. And there's just like a wild fear, right? I'm going to be rejected for who I am because on some inherent level, I've rejected myself who I am. Therefore it's not safe to be myself and I need to be someone else that can come out in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And it's not manipulation in like a conscious, um, like shadow sense. It's more of, uh, coming from a, a, a desire for love. Right. Mm -hmm. And unconscious, like there are definitely things that, uh, people do that are more consciously aware of their manipulation, right? There are definitely manipulators. Um, but I know this is something that I've been playing with a lot more, um, just paying attention to the why behind, mm-hmm. you know, the intention, like, is it for, because I want someone else to tell a story about who I am versus me, uh, like embodying the story that I want to tell about myself. Right. Yeah. There's like, it's like a different perspective. I've noticed, I've noticed this as I've continued to experience more success and more abundance is that I found myself trying to posture because I thought that's what people needed me to be in order to continue to be more respected mm. or more magnetic. And that actually is the thing that repels people, mm-hmm. right. When you posture like that. So just remember that people are magnetized to you because you're being you and, you know, more success, more abundance doesn't require you to change. Mm. I love that right there. What you just shared, because something that I know for me personally, that I am navigating, like I'm choosing my words very carefully, right? (laughs) 
is that as, as we are going through this process of embodiment, right? There's, um, at least for me anyway, there's this visual or this texture, this feeling of the, the future version of me who's already made it right. And Mm -hmm. like being able to really like embody her, I've been paying more attention to like the rules that I'm creating around that version of myself. Right. And she would be someone who would be put together and step into an archetype of hair done, makeup done, because it truly does help me to feel more in a role, right? It's like almost like role playing, but not coming from a place of inauthenticity, more of coming from a place of fuller expression. And Mm -hmm. so what I've been playing with is how can I be in that full expression without the costume, right? Without Mm -hmm. the um, external costuming, or we could use the word posturing. And I see it also showing up environmentally, right? So um, something that I've been playing with is circumstantial embodiment, where if things are going according to plan, it's easy to embody the version of me that I desire to embody. But when things are not going according to plan, how do I show up then? And Mm -hmm. so travel is one of those things that always gives me an opportunity to be like, okay, yeah, when I'm at home and everything's going according to plan, it's easy to have, you know, wake up at seven and drop into my meditation and like switch the energy and be in the embodiment of the woman. But when I'm not home and I'm traveling and there's other schedules and other people to consider, how am I staying in my power without the predictability of the external or without the adornment of the outfits or the hair and the makeup, right? And um, yeah, so I would love for you to share if if that's been your because I know you you have a partner, you have kids, life is not always consistent. And so is there um, a process that you walk through when things are not predictable and yet you're being called into the the embodiment of whatever the the archetype is for the day? Yeah. Um, this is where the deep permission and grace comes in again in meeting myself in whatever moment that looks like. So I'm just like, hashtag over it when I roll up to the carpool and I'm like looking like basically a homeless person rolling out of my bends with Converse sneakers, like zero fucks, you know? Um, and that was really the premise and the vision I had for creating the literally first class podcast. I mean, it's kind of a tongue in cheek joke that you can be sitting in first class and look completely unsuspecting of being able to sit in first class. Mm. And I love that. You can be like wearing the ripped thing the ripped sweatshirt and like have the Converse sneakers on and like, you know, (laughs) be sitting in first class. And it's like, it can look like whatever the fuck you want it to. So sometimes it's that the, the pencil skirt. And sometimes it's the ripped sweatshirt and like the sweats it's, it's whatever, like whatever I feel like in that moment. And that for me has been really healing where I have been so attached to how things look and what I make that mean. Mm. I'm in my power this way with no makeup in my sweats. And I'm also in my power in a pencil skirt. It really doesn't matter what environment I'm in or what I'm wearing. So the thought that comes forward for me is the age old adage of you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And so how do you, how do you like navigate that idea of, cause what the first, the first thought that came through for me was this like idea of being a rebel being like, fuck uh, the paradigm. I'm such yeah. a rebel. Like I'm, yes, I'm, I'm in first class and I don't need to dress the part to make an impression visually mm-hmm. on someone else. Like I'm actually going to do the polar opposite and be a rebel and make you question how I got. And, and I, I, I feel like it would be, fun to kind of go down the rabbit hole of all the stories that people are creating in their mind about what someone quote unquote, like you is doing in first class because you don't fit the mold. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's like the one side of like where my brain went was like, what a rebel. And then I was like, but what about, (laughs) right. What about the whole, like, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. So energy speaks first. And actually I just had a, um, 
I just signed a, a new client on uh, in a private 12 month container and she's really well known. She's in the public eye. She's extremely successful. And the question I asked her was, why are we on the phone today? Why, what made you reach out to me? And she said, you're just so calm in your energy and you seem so self-assured. And I want that for myself. It has nothing to do with how I fucking look. It's who I be. My energy introduces me. Now it does, right? I'm fully aware of that now that I've gone through like this unbecoming letting go process. Um, And to your point about rebellion, it still implies an external audience because who am I rebelling? Mm -hmm. So if we are in compliance of the rules, there's this far end of like, I'm holding my hands out for the audience that can't see. There's the left hand all the way on this end of the spectrum. But then if we're in a rebellion of the rules, then we're on the other end of the spectrum. But the goal is neutrality in the middle. Mm -hmm. And so now I can actually operate from a place of neutrality, but there were what I call the gradient of healing to arrive here. So I had to kind of hit the wall over here and exercise what I thought success looked like and be completely postured and have the pencil skirts and all the things. And then I went to the other end of the spectrum where I was like, I'm giving up makeup and anything that I thought was me for 30 days plus, right? That was just part of the equation. And so sure, it does seem rebellious, but now I've arrived in this really neutral place. And that energy feels like a waterproof jacket. Mm. where it's raining, but the beads just sort of peel off of the the jacket. Mm. Um, And that's a very empowering place to be because I'm not performing for anybody and I'm not reacting to anything. So so energy gets to introduce you first. I love that. And I feel that in your presence, like from the moment we met, your energy definitely introduced itself far before we even got into a conversation. And Um, I think that that is obviously a testament to the work of embodiment and becoming unmade and like everything that you practice, like you are walking, talking visual and physical manifestation of that. Mm -hmm. And that's what, like you said before, makes you magnetic. That's what success is, right? Is that your energy walks into the room before you do. It's about relationships. So as you are going through this process of becoming unmade and you're recognizing, okay, I've been posturing in these areas. I've been people pleasing. I've been, you know, um, following a set of rules that I thought I needed to follow. And now you're shifting into this beingness embodiment and fuck the rules or at least fuck those rules and coming into neutrality. I would imagine that um, there are other people that are in that equation with you because it's not you just operating in a, in a bubble, right? You have clients, you have um, a team that you run, you have, you're in a partnership, you have kids. How do you um, navigate those shifts, not only like within yourself, but then in the environment that you're operating in? Because I would imagine you're showing up very differently now. And so for them, the rules are changing as well in terms of how mm-hmm. they engage with you. So how do you navigate that? What a great question. I had a client interview me on her podcast a couple of weeks ago and she's like, I just, I've really loved you sharing this publicly because now I feel like everyone gets to see and experience how you showed up on our private coaching calls. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ooh, that feels juicy. I like that. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, and, and that's just, you know, really been the goal of just sharing openly, but from again, a place of not even posturing the vulnerability, which I think we often see in the coaching space. Like, look how vulnerable I'm being dear diary. Here's my post (laughs) and let me overshare all of the things like from what place are we sharing and why? So, um, that was really beautiful. And then in my partnership with Jake, I am so, so grateful to be in a conscious partnership where (laughs) we, this is our life. I mean, we live this work. There is nothing too weird and too woo for either of us. In fact, I remember um, it was about a year and a half ago, Jake decided he wanted to do a pachamanka. I think that's how you pronounce it, where you dig a hole in the ground and you bury the food and then you put coals on top of it, or maybe it's under it and you cook the food for like six to eight hours. And then you un you uncover it and your food is cooked and it's been cooked in like the hearth of the earth. Right. And I'm like, I'm not the chef of the family. Like he, he totally is. You don't want anything I've cooked. But he goes through this process and he's digging what looks like a hole in the ground. And you can imagine 
I'm getting all sorts of DMs. Like, is Jake doing a healing exercise about like, you know, grieving his own death? It looks like he's digging a grave site. <laughs> and, you know, I knew what he was doing, but I wouldn't have put it past him uh, otherwise. So that's just an example of some of the silly fun stuff that we explore. We're just super open. So all of that to say, Jake has been nothing but supportive. In fact, he calls me out. He's like, when you straighten your hair, you're performing, I've noticed. And I'm like, oh, and then part of me gets angry. That feels like I've got to wear my hair curly all the time and be seen for my authentic self, you know, like, fuck you for calling me out. You know, you can't get away with anything in a conscious partnership because they want to see you for who you really are. And that is when they're most attracted to you. And so it requires you to give up anything that is not you. Hmm. And that's really hard because I actually felt like I was giving up a very real part of me when I gave up makeup, which was, it sounded really silly. And it was like, gosh, you know, this is first world problems, like how ridiculous. And it just goes to show how attached we become to who we posture to be. That's not actually me. So can it be an expression of me? Sure. But all of that to say, I mean, Jake is so supportive of all of this and it's been really beautiful to be witnessed in and, and loved and cherished for who I really am. And again, whatever moment I show up in. So he equally reflects back the compassion and grace I've allowed for myself. Hmm. It's really beautiful. It's beautiful to have a mirror like that. And so what is your relationship now with straightening your hair and wearing makeup? Is that something that you'll go back to doing? And, and what is, what is the process to permission in that? So I had a moment a couple of weeks ago where I was like, I cannot wear my hair straight anymore. It just was like a fact. It just, it landed in my body and it was like, yeah, I get, so now I've been doing photo shoots and stage, uh, speeches and all the things with curly hair, which is just bizarre. I didn't, I have never, I had never done a curly haired photo shoot until like spring of this year. And I've done hundreds, like I've had so many appearances and published things and all the stuff. So I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So yeah, curly hair is here to stay. Uh, makeup has, it's interesting. The products are not staying on my face the way they were. I got like an eye infection. I wore mascara one day and my eye was like rejecting it. So I threw that mascara out and some of the stuff that I felt like looked good before I had all the contours and the, this is for the, you know, face pop. And this is for the cheekbone, all the things like borderline makeup artist here. And all, they just don't feel good on my face. I've actually really enjoyed putting rose oil or vitamin E oil on my face and kind of waking up and going. So I enjoy mascara and lip gloss, but it's pretty simple right now. It's yeah. just where I'm at. It feels good. It feels free. And, you know, there is something about a woman who is in her body and in her power that just like walks in the room. Like you said, her, your energy walks in before you do. And it is a, an embracement of love of who I am and the way I look. And I think that there's a difference between someone who operates from a place of like, I just don't have time for that versus I'm choosing that I just don't want to use it. There's a difference, right? It's the same as the person who says I can't afford it versus I'm choosing to use my money differently. Like there's a different energy behind that. Totally. And the thing that is really fascinating to me um, and a concept that I've come up with is called somatic success, mm. where you can continue to be successful. Like this doesn't mean you have to go sell scrunchies on the beach and like burn the <laughs> ships as you know them, you know, like so many of us have that moment where we're like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? And do I even want to do this? Cause I think I want to go sell scrunchies on the beach. And I'm here to tell you that you can have it all and it all being the fulfillment within your body. And then the outward expression of whatever that looks like is completely individual. So maybe for some it's giving up what they're currently doing, but maybe for some it's learning how to simultaneously let go of the things that have been driving them from the, pl the place in the space of anxiety while still maintaining their level of success, wealth, income, et cetera. Like how can we do that? And that's really the nuance I love playing with, with women that are, you know, at the top because there is a massive fear. And if we're being realistic, they have a certain quality of life that they have to maintain because they're, they have a mortgage and 
they've got kids and maybe there's a certain lifestyle and there's nothing wrong with appreciating luxury as art. I mean, you can have a really beautiful life and it doesn't, again, it doesn't mean that you have to go be a hippie or go sell, sell stuff on the beach. Although you can do that too, if you want, <laughs> like, it's really up to you. Hmm. So let's talk about this somatic work that you do, because I know that it's so much deeper than what we've created the space for today on the show, but you've set up a, an in-person experience. So, um, for women to really do exactly this, to drop in to the present moment and really like become unmade. So mm-hmm. I would love if you would share a little bit more about what somatic work is and then the in-person experience that you have coming up. Yeah. So that retreat series is called unmade rest in success. So it's a rejuvenating experience here in Atlanta that is designed and curated so that you can sit and learn how to be more present and then notice what comes up, you know, is there anxiety that comes up mm-hmm. and, and how can you walk into a room and introduce yourself, but not lead with what you do? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't give a fuck what your title is. Mm-hmm. Let's walk in the room. Even though these are really successful women, let's walk into the room and not lead with that. Who are you really like? I want to see you. And then let's connect from that space. So this is a really beautiful space to be authentic and to practice vulnerability, deep connection with other women, all the things that have kept us separate from each other, thinking, oh, she's better than me, or do I belong in this room? And oh, she's probably got it all together. And like, let's just omit all of that and sit in the unbecoming. So it's not the sexiest of things, but it it's necessary if you find yourself asking, how much longer can I keep up? this facade. Am I tired yet? What if I was just open to trying something new? I feel like there's a dating show out there. That's like there where you date, like there's like men that are really, really wealthy and super high executive. And then there's men that are blue collar and like middle uh, income earners, but you don't know which is which. And it like, hmm. it completely, I, I can't remember the name of the show, but this is like, it's giving me that vibe of like, the titles are gone. So like yeah. you were saying before, my worth and my worthiness and my importance in this world is not based on my title, how much money I make. Because the minute someone tells you they're an executive vice president of some company, you immediately form a story around who this person is, what yeah. they've accomplished, how much money they make, how responsible they are you know, versus someone who says, um, I clean houses for a living. Sure. Right. Whether we, uh, are aware of it or not, or whether we like it or not, that's just kind of how we've been programmed to create a story around someone's value in this world based on their title. And so Mm -hmm. I love what you're saying because it, it levelizes the playing field, so to speak. And it takes away the, um, pedestaling, or the stories or the comparison or the stack ranking or whatever you want to call it. And really just puts people heart to heart and Mm -hmm. person to person based on who you're being, not what you've done. Totally. Yeah. And it's going to be a really, a really beautiful experience because, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of women, they desire the authentic connections and they kind of know what they need to do. Oh, I'll just be more vulnerable. Right. But this is a place to do that. That's guided Mm. that that's designed to take you to the edge of discomfort so that you can break through to your next level. Like it is, it's a very specific experience and container that is again, creating a courageous space to do exactly that with exercises that are somatically in mind. And can you share a little bit more about what a somatic exercises and how that might be different than say, uh, mindset work. Mm. Uh, mindset work immediately. We go into the mind, the thinking brain, and we're up in our head, we're up in our thoughts, but thoughts are bias. And so like a thought is something that's based on your belief and your belief is created from your lived experiences. So it's not necessarily true right? It's not like you like, for example, let's use the weather. It's hot outside. What does that mean to you? Hot might be 70 degrees to someone else. Hot might be 85. That's subjective. So the thought 
that it's hot outside is completely subjective. It's not actually a fact. A fact would be it's 72 degrees outside. That is something inarguable. It's black and white. It's factual. It's unemotional. And you, you can't, can't argue it. So if we go into the thinking mind and the mindset, we're just talking and playing with beliefs. And so the issue with mindset work is often we are continuing to coach at our current level of consciousness. Mm. Like we are basically mentally masturbating with the existing beliefs. So what you're comfortable with, what you know, what's familiar, and then we play with a lot of the same. Now there are certain mindset techniques and practices we can do such as journaling prompts, which basically give us put pen to paper, those beliefs. Then we practice flipping the script, right. Or writing an opposing thought to expand our consciousness into, Oh, there's another possibility here aside from what my current belief is. So there's certain things like that. However, this is where it falls short because we can say all the affirmations in the world We can flip the script and do all the fancy mindset things, but if we don't feel it in our body and walk through life as if that's a new lived experience, right? And you and I talked earlier in the show around um, who am I being when things aren't going my way, or I don't have proof it's been done before to guarantee success, stability, whatever. That's where the body work is so incredible because it becomes almost like arguing the sky is blue and you just feel it in your body Mm. versus thinking the thought that can only go so far. Mm. So the way I've learned to change my thoughts from the top down has been first with my body. And so the body, actually the mind body connection is never really separate, but Western culture thinks it is. And so the practice of somatics is bringing you back into your body. So Let's use intuition. Like, let's say we've a woman, I think women have had this, they've met a guy and they're like, Ooh, something's off, but I can't put my finger on it. Mm -hmm. I don't have any visuals. I don't have any like proof that something is off with him, but you have that sixth, that sixth sense, right? Something is not quite right. Your body is speaking to you. Likely you get goosebumps. Maybe you become on higher alert. Maybe you just kind of start digging through their social media. Something feels off, you trust it enough because your body is speaking to you. So that's just an example of how we can, we can lead with the body. And now even deeper than that, though, the somatic work really builds a strong awareness around, okay, well then what is trauma and truth, right? Cause then we don't want to live out and be on hyper, hyper, um, hypersensitive to things. Even if there's like, let's say a guy is safe and he is a normal human being, but our lived experiences have told us otherwise, well, then how do we discern trauma from truth? That's another step below all that. Um, and so that any, that anyway is, is where somatics comes in because you're like, oh, I know where I am in this and what's actually real. Mm. So those are just a couple examples. And that's every time I've had a, yeah. Every time I've had an intuitive hit about a guy, I was right. <laughs> Every single time I'm like, oh, let me just ignore this and see how much more obvious it can be. I just want proof. I think that, (laughs) I think that is the, that is where the opportunity for growth is, is that at least my experience, I'll have a feeling about something in my body, but my mind will come in and be like, well, where's the proof? Are you overreacting? What is this based on? Are you being too hard? Are you being judgmental? Are you being triggered by something? So I'll feel something in my body and it's almost as if my mind will like try to poke holes in the, we'll use the word belief, like my body has a belief and my mind has a belief. And sometimes those two Mm. beliefs are not congruent. And so if my body has a belief, my mind will come in and try and find another point of view. Mm Mm-hmm that would maybe disprove the feeling that I have in my body. Because if the feeling I had in my body were true, then my mind would be then tasked with making a decision that maybe I didn't really want to make. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there becomes this negotiation process. And nine times out of 10, the negotiation process 
always results in, well, if you just trusted yourself and listened to your intuition in the first place, you would have saved yourself this messy lesson. But there's a stubbornness that comes with the mind and the programming and um, the what if, like what if I'm wrong? Or what Mm -hmm. if I'm being too judgmental? Or what if I'm jumping to conclusions? Let me just look for the proof that what I'm feeling or my intuition is feeling is real. Yeah. And, you know, for anyone that's experiencing what we're calling a feedback loop or, you know, the same themes playing out consistently, what I might ask is even before that man enters your sphere and your energetic frequency, like what is in yours? that is attracting those continued repetitive scenarios over and over again to you. Um, and that I, I might even be curious to see if the body speaks even before the allowance of them into your energetic frequency, because I bet it's just a matter of catching it sooner. Yeah, it is. And it goes back to what we were saying before about that really like micro level. That's like, just below the surface. That is like, it's such a split second that if you're not really present with the thought or the feeling, like it's an attunement, Mm -hmm. you don't even know it's there. Yeah. And, and that's where those subtleties can become a slippery slope. I mean, again, going back to like people pleasing and the fond response that so many women are programmed to go into, you don't even know you're consciously doing it because it's so automated when you're trying to reprogram that it you're going to feel a little bit tired and confused and perhaps lost because you're trying to you're taking more energy to rework and rewrite something that has been so automatic and therefore requires less energy of you mm. um but yeah listening sooner it's that moment where you're like am i crazy just just listening to the whisper though is where you start to strengthen it and that voice will get louder yeah it's the visual I have is like two different radio channels, like two different radios, and you're turning the volume of the radio of the thoughts down, and you're turning the volume of the radio of the feelings up so that you become mm-hmm. more attuned to that sound and that frequency than the other one. But sometimes they're like trying to compete with one another, and your brain gets scrambled. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It can be, and that can be confusing, right? Mm-hmm. But confusion indicates we're in the thinking mind. Hmm. Yes. I love this. And this is the work that you'll be doing at Unmade. And this is why somatic is so important. And I am such a huge uh, fan and, and proponent of retreat experiences. I, I feel like they're, it's like rehab, right? Mm-hmm. For your like mind, because it does, it takes you out of the stimulation that's in your normal environment and all of your coping strategies or mechanisms for numbing out or ignoring, right? Because you're in the thinking and the doing all day long of the life and the tasks and the kids and the to-dos and the work and all that and your title and your posturing and everything that we talked about. And when you take yourself out of that environment and you come into a place like the space that you're creating with the unmade experience, none of that is there for you to hide behind. And so it is, it's like stripping Mm -hmm. away all of the addictions to the Mm -hmm. outer world and your operating systems and putting you in a place of like rehabilitation where Mm -hmm. like you have no choice. I mean, you always have a choice, but like, it's going to be a lot more challenging to choose to numb out an old operating systems when you're in an intimate space, like the one you're creating and with a facilitator like you who does not allow people to bring their bullshit. (laughs) 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 Lovingly calling you out (laughs) with love. So for the women that are desiring to go deeper into this conversation, they want to get into your world and, and join you in Atlanta at, by the way, like the location I die, it's so drool worthy, like this center. It's a thousand acres, which I was surprised to learn actually. It's like, I haven't been there yet, but I've seen it online and I've saved it on my Instagram as like a place that my, even just looking at the pictures, my nervous system, I can feel my mm. shoulders drop and I'm like, I want to go there. <laughs> so share a little bit more about how, um, our listeners can get into your world. Yeah. So you can find everything at elevatewithcarry.com. This specific event that Melissa and I have been spending a lot of time on, we've got three tickets left for the live event. Uh, that starts on November 3rd, and that is called Unmade Rest in Success. 
Um, and I see this, you know, being a retreat series that I take women through. So whether they want to come through the process once or they want to repeat it, they can. Um, and it's something here I'm bringing people to me this time instead of renting a private island or going to Belize. But uh, you guys are going to come to Atlanta and it's just going to be, it's just like you said, such a serene, expansive removed in a beautiful way, um, environment. And it's curated toward lots of wellness experiences. They have fresh raw bamboo juice every morning. There's a labyrinth where we have a sound bath healer coming that has done sound. You've actually, you introduced me to her Mm -hmm. that has done, um, sound bath experiences for, you know, events with Usher and Sarah Blakely of Spanx. So, um, yeah, some really, really cool experiences coming. Going to be beautiful. Okay. So elevatewithcarry.com is the best place to find mm-hmm. more information on that. And literally first class, your new podcast, where can yes. they listen to that? Yep. So that link is also on elevatewithcarry.com under the podcast tab. It's called literally first class. I would be so grateful if you'd subscribe, share it, tag me in any, you know, episodes that you guys listen to. Uh, they're 15 minute or so episodes that are designed to be consumable, digestible, and entertaining. Um, and it's where we're exploring what success gets to look and feel like. And literally first class is kind of tongue in cheek, right? Can you yes. explain a little <laughs> bit about that? Cause I know it's, it, it really does tie into the entire conversation we had today about poking fun at the posturing a little bit and becoming unmade and like almost a little bit of rebellious in that. Yeah. I mean, I love the unassuming idea of being literally first class and wearing sweats in first class. I think that's a fun, a fun visual. Um, but also just, you know, if you're like me and anxiety has been your driver, you likely have also been the super responsible one. I was a single mom for a period of time and I always felt like I had to have it together. And so I lost some joy and the ability to play along the way. And so this is just, you know, my last episode, we talked about hobbies, you know, what even is a hobby? Um, what if we had no attachment to the outcome of a hobby? Like, and we were just doing it for the fun of it. I mean, that concept is foreign to a lot of women that are, that don't have time to play and have fun because they make time for everything else Mm -hmm. or put everyone else above themselves. So that's just an example of some of the stuff that we're talking about on there. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm excited to listen. I know it literally just literally just dropped the other day. Um, So I'll be binging that. And I'm having major FOMO about not being able to be at your retreat because I'll still be out here in California, but I'm going to be sending you all the good vibes your way. I know the women that are going to be there will be so impacted by your magic. Thank you. You'll have to come to the one in March. We're going to do it again in the spring and the pool will be open and it'll be warm weather. And spring is such a beautiful time here in Atlanta with the cherry blossoms and everything. So it'll be a good time. Okay. Last question. What are you celebrating right now? Freedom. I'm celebrating freedom. I feel, I do feel raw and wild and sensual and feminine and it feels fucking good. Just feels, I just feel good. I, I feel like I'm in a good place. Um, launching literally first class was, you know, like I said, requiring a different level of me to be seen and, and we've done it like we're here. So yeah. I feel really like landed in myself, which is nice. Good. That's so juicy. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, you guys, if you love this episode, which I know you will, please make sure you share it with someone. Um, Head over to Elevate with Carrie to check out more about the work that Carrie does in the world, the retreat. Check out Literally First Class. Literally. Literally First Class. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for the embodiment of the work that you do. And, um, Thank you for just seeing me in my introverted or my extroverted introvertedness as well. Like it feels so good to have someone that just understands how I'm wired. And I love that we get to like (laughs) share that and drop in on that and be like, okay, uh, I don't feel like leaving home, but would you come over? Okay. Yes. (laughs) And like, we can just have that. It just, it means so much and it's made, um, my time in Atlanta even more fun to know that, you know, we're building a friendship. So thank you. I'm grateful for that as well. Like, yeah. We are like dork alert, like come on over with the, what did you have in your hair when you came over last time? The, so I have one in right now, an oil, oil treatment. treatment. 
I was like, I was like going to say something that to you. I was like, I have an oil treatment in my hair right now. It's like all soft back and oily. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Is zero plastering required. And, um, when you were actually speaking before around, you know, I can do all the things when I'm at home and I was like, well, of course you can. You're an introvert. You're like, I am so happy by myself and my routine is like perfect and nobody's here to mess with it. And I don't have to like talk to anybody. I'm like, yeah, I get all that. <laughs> yep. You get it. Well, you guys, um, thank you so much for, for listening, for supporting the podcast. Please share this episode with someone, you know, would love it. And until the next one, live your boldly courageous life. Bye guys. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life. Bye.